it was really important that they they waited, they were patient, and they trusted their drivers to go out and deliver like the pizza man. After a week break, the Mercedes F1 team landed in Singapore for one of the toughest and most physical races of the season. With Red Bull struggling, the boys and girls from Brackley had a great opportunity to win their first race of the year and get some strong points on the board in their battle for P2 in the championship. But alas, it turned out to be a mixed bag. Join me, Balve Baines, on this episode of the Silver Arrows podcast as we dissect the Singapore Grand Prix. There's a lot to get through. And to help us do all of that, we have Denny, known as FIA Girly. Denny, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me once again, this time after an exciting race. So can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, no, it was such a such an exciting race. Adam, you're becoming part of the furniture, I think, here at the Silver Arrows podcast. Adam, as always, uh, welcome. Well, that's a very nice way for you to uh, refer to me. Um, I, I've been referred to as worse, but... I am tired still after such a draining, exhausting race, but in a good way. Probably not as tired as the drivers, though. Yeah, uh, and hot as well. Definitely a, a hot one in uh, in Singapore. But let's get this party started. So as always, we're going to go in chronological order. So start on the Friday and end up on the Sunday. So FP1 and FP2. Denny, I want to come to you first. So how did Mercedes set up for the weekend? Um, so Singapore is a high downforce track and normally what you want to look at is the corners performance and so we did have a high downforce rear wing and that was the setup that I think across the board a lot of people had and even Red Bull brought a new um, high downforce wing of some sort. Um, we did have an upgrade because Singapore is so hot so Mercedes brought a large front brake duct inlet and exit and that was a change basically made to enable more air mass flow to the brakes. And that helped them a lot with the brake temperature to increase cooling capacity. And it was very much track specific. Singapore is a race that doesn't just test the drivers, which we know it does because they lose at least two kilograms worth of, of sweat. So fluid. I know that that's a nice thought in your mind, but also the cars because they're being really tested. The ideal conditions for an engine is for it to be in thick air, in nice, cool conditions, um, basically like Silverstone. However, in Singapore, while it is at sea level, so the air is thick, it's really humid and hot, and it, it pushes and tests the car, both with the brakes, as, as Denny said, that's why... The, the new ducts came in to, to increase the amount of air going in to cool it down as much as possible or cool them down as much as possible, but also the engine too. And that's why you would have seen uh, the, the cars that had the most efficient cooling packages doing really well and those that don't have the best cooling packages doing less well. So Alpine, they are known on the grid to not have such uh, efficiency when it comes to cooling and and it was no surprise really to see them towards uh the the back of the midfield uh in, in comparison to the others 
Yeah, it seemed like it was uh, a, a track specific for, for Mercedes, which is always a, a good thing. So let's go on to FP1 and FP2. So it was <laughs> surprisingly, and I was pretty shocked about this, a positive Friday for a chain. And Adam, Mercedes seemed and appeared to be the second fastest team behind Ferrari. Did you dare to dream? Because I did. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I, pro- I probably dared to dream too early most weekends but this was good reason for it because we knew that of all tracks this was going to be the one that threw the spanner in the works for Red Bull um, and and a car that had struggled um, with low downforce but also it's Singapore is such an old track that generally the teams don't design cars to do well in Singapore because it's only one race um so we, we we expected the unexpected, which is what we love in F one and it's what we what we got eventually. So so yeah, when Mercedes came out positively, Lewis Hamilton was beaming um and, and talking about how happy he was and, and Lewis is a well, he, he he can be happy and we've seen it on multiple occasions, but he's tough to please especially with the current car or this year's car and last year's car. Um, so when he was happy, you had a good feeling. And to be fair, we were only a few laps from it being a good feeling at the end of the weekend as well as the beginning. But we'll get on to that, I'm sure. Yeah, Lewis was quoted as saying the best Friday we've had all year. And yeah, like you, Adam, I my head started going to cloud nine. I thought, this is our weekend. This is where we win. But We'll, we'll get on to that, like you said, Adam, a little bit later you on. Uh, yeah, I did dreamt. I did dream. Maybe too much, but you know, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there one day. But FP3 and Quali, uh, Denny, expectations for qualifying. What do you think it was for, for us as fans? Lewis seemed to be a little bit off the pace of George at this stage. Yeah. Um. So coming to FP3, one thing about Mercedes is they always try to extract the maximum out of the car. And I think after FP2, particularly with Lewis, because he was the one behind the whole weekend, he just wanted to make sure that he could maximize every single thing. Because one thing about Singapore, track position is very, very important. And I think I saw a lot of people mention on the timeline during before qualifying if we had set up for the race because Mercedes this year has been focusing a lot on race pace. And it's very important to talk about how track position in Singapore is essential because once you're in front, it's very hard for people to actually overtake regardless. And one thing that Lewis did mention is that you do need a deficit of around 1.5 seconds. You need to be 1.5 seconds in order to actually be able to overtake, which you don't really get these days with these new cars. And so um, I do believe Mercedes was focused on qualifying and that's why Lewis was very focused on making changes to the car and the changes weren't so much because the car wasn't feeling good, but it was because, okay, we are still lacking a bit to Ferrari and we want to close that gap. Unfortunately for him, it didn't work too well. Um, He did say it felt like the changes were so big that it felt like he had a whole new car he had to learn. And so his qualifying, unfortunately, we did have high expectations coming in from FP1 and FP2. And then obviously FP3 wasn't too great, but we did have expectations coming into quality. And unfortunately, it didn't meet what we 
had dreamt, like Adam said, the dreams and being on cloud nine, it kind of went downhill from that. But it was awesome to see George up there because that does give you a bit of hope that, well, the car that isn't being changed as much, which is George's car, does have potential. He was able to be up there and then he missed Polk by just a bit. And being able to separate the Ferraris from such a strong weekend that they were having throughout was, I think, a very good glimpse of hope. And it was just, if the other Mercedes can be up there as well, then we're good to go. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, definitely. Poll is important. The statistics show it. And it seemed to me from looking at the data that Lewis was particularly slow in the first sector. Now that's a lot of high speed sections. So I I don't know for sure, but I suspect he was carrying a little bit more downforce than George Russell. And that perhaps is why I know we're going to talk about it in a minute, why he was a little bit quicker in the race than, than George, as well as his monumental skills, of course. But, um, we know that they're both good drivers and and, and yeah, I, I think that he, he just had simply too much drag and, and was struggling to make up. Perhaps if there weren't the track changes uh, to Singapore and, and there was still the last few corners uh, or the extra few corners in that final sector, Lewis would have had the advantage. However, that wasn't the case and you've got to set up the car right for the track that it is in front of you. So yeah. George did a great job. He did a great job all weekend and, and looked to have the better of Lewis. But I I can't help but feel like this is something that, that Lewis is making a habit of. Um, and that is going extreme with the setup, like Denny said. He's not interested in, in winning world championship. No, he is interested in winning world championships. That's the only thing he's interested in. He's not interested in um, winning pole positions and, and, and the odd win. Of course he wants to win in Singapore, but that's not the main goal. The main goal is trying to learn as much um, for the team and, and for the car as possible. 
it's painful for him at the moment. You saw it the way he was sitting, staring into space at the end of the race. But that's why he's going extreme with these setups. It's annoying if you want Lewis to be doing well, but in the future, hopefully, he's doing the right thing to help his team and himself be there in the fight. Yeah, so much that it is something that he was mentioning a lot after the race. And even though he had a great race, he was saying overall the weekend wasn't good. I've been lacking in qualifying because I think I think out of all weekends, this one was one that he felt like qualifying really, really mattered. And that was the one that he fell short in. Because everywhere else, the, the the chances of you just going back there and fighting, it's they're there, they exist because you can overtake and the tracks are a bit easier on, on the car and on the, the, the driver themselves. And I think this one in particular, he felt that he had pace and he knew he wasn't at the front because he had qualified poorly. And so obviously he was harsh on himself, but that's what drivers do. Drivers are harsh on themselves. But then he did mention that Perhaps the changes that he's constantly making are also costing him a lot of this qualifying. He's not feeling comfortable in the car. He's having to learn the car at the, as he's qualifying and then he's not able to put a lap together. And so I think it's also really important to notice that, I mean, to talk about the fact that he is taking into account that he's not doing well and then wanting to always find that extreme end of the car might be one thing that he's going to start to reduce maybe in the next few races and then play a bit more conservative, if you may put it like that, as George does, which is, okay, the car is good. Let's not touch it. This is how we're going to go in with the car because I'm comfortable with the car where it is. And so the fact that he mentioned those changes and how they're constantly making that small mistake of the car is good, but it could be better. And now it's not good at all. Then I think there's something positive to take from, from that. I think, I think you're right. That's, that's how he goes about winning. If, if he wants to pick up a victory, if there's another opportunity later this year, I, I don't know where that might be. Maybe Mexico, that's sometimes a bit of an odd one. But the Red Bull is quick because it's on the edge. It's aggressive. It's not conservative in Max's hands. They've had to make it more conservative and easy to drive for Checo, and that's why he's a bit further behind. So I think great drivers force themselves to to adapt to to these aggressive cars uh, and setups. So that is why it's important that Lewis continues down this path. Um, having said all of that, I think we can't take anything away from how much of a good performance George Russell put in this weekend. Um, and he he was right on the ragged edge from the beginning of the weekend and obviously we know what happened at the end and we'll discuss it but he looked on it he looked aggressive and that's what is great to see in a young driver because he's got to be aggressive in a different way to Lewis because Lewis Lewis knows where um where his limits are when it it, it comes to to racing and, and my god his limits are almost boundless but George is still learning that. He's still young. So he needs to be aggressive, not with the car setup, that, that will come later, but with himself and, and his driving. He needs to be making mistakes. So I think they're both doing a, a good job for the future. It's what we were discussing uh, a couple of weeks ago, that 
the right now they are the, they are perfect for each other and for the team in terms of being ready for when that that championship competing car comes along so it's exciting even even though uh qualifying wasn't uh well it was it was good but it wasn't the best because it was only second and fifth although lewis has always qualified in the top five at, at singapore little stat that i heard and and i liked so we've talked about setup of the w14 but i just want to talk about the strategy of qualifying for the mercedes car how did you make of it in terms of that qualifying and sending out the boys last onto the singaporean track yeah well uh it was it, it was another situation where people were tripping over each other and um, mercedes have had themselves caught up in this in the past but it seemed to work for them quite well to to be on the track at it was almost alternate times to to the majority of the field, and that's the important thing with Singapore. Not just because you don't want to be tripping over over other people, but also you don't want to be following cars closely and, and overheating and and having uh, issues with turbulence because it's such a downforce reliant circuit. So. I, I think Mercedes were really good with strategy. I, I know we've spoken in the past about them maybe not being on their their A game as much as we'd like to think. Uh, but I think Mercedes were on it in qualifying and, and, and did a good job there. Um, yeah, <laughs> look at Verstappen. He was in, in trouble all over the shop. Um, but the other thing is you want to be last over the line because... Sing, the, the track was ramping up in terms of pace as as it as the the qualifying sessions went on. This is a street circuit, so it's naturally going to have more rubbish down on the ground. Even though in Singapore they're known for being clean, Mercedes was very much focused on the fact that the track was just the track evolution was massive this weekend, especially because we did see rain um, in a couple of days, I think two days, and then the track was green. So every work that you, the rubber that they had light, laid down was washed away with the rain. And so the longer you wait in the garage, the more you let drivers do their laps, that's more rubber for you. And that's because I, I remember coming into Quali, um, the radio messages were, the track is still one and a half seconds off. So let's just warm up the tires and see. And then if you're also, the less laps you do and the, the, the more perfect laps you're able to get without doing too many laps also good because Mercedes was struggling with um, the brakes uh, overheating and then having to get those tire temperatures down. So they had to actually make sure that they had the perfect window. Was it a gamble? Yes, but it did work out at the end. And I know in Q3, Lewis was one particular, very particular about the fact that he wanted to be the last one on the track. And he even asked Bono at some point and he said, um, do I have time in my hands? Can I back out even more? And so I think strategy was good and it was a gamble, yes, as um, sometimes you have to take the risk. And, and that's a great point that you've got there, Denny. The, the track evolution, Mercedes had to to play smart, not just work hard uh, with this because they had fewer soft tyres compared to, to the rest of the field. So they had to make sure that those laps were spot on every time they went out. They couldn't make mistakes and they couldn't waste tyres. Um, and of course, that gave them the extra set of mediums that we'll get onto in a minute. Uh, so, so yeah, 
it was really important that they they waited, they were patient, and they trusted their drivers to go out and deliver like the pizza man. You are coming up with all sorts of metaphors and analogies here, Adam, and I am here for it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You talked about those fresh sets of mediums. And they turned out to be so key in quality for us. One thing that was very, I think Mercedes was very, very adamant on. And I think this differs from everyone else, which is really interesting because coming into a race, every, sometimes people do have similar strategies. Mercedes was very clear cut that they knew it was going to be a two-stop. It's just that they didn't know how they were going to make it a two-stop. So obviously they weren't very much, they didn't open all the cards and say, yeah, we're waiting for a safety car. But you probably assume that's what they're, they're going to um, gamble on, safety cars. And so having that set of mediums was very important for them. And it was actually a very good game plan because knowing Singapore, there's always something that's going to happen. Someone's going to stop on the track. Someone's going to crash, unfortunately. Um, and so having that set of mediums meant that they could ha- they had the offset strategy, basically, and they could just switch at any point and they would have that pace. The mediums were doing well throughout the whole weekend. We saw it with Ferrari's long runs. And so for them to gamble... First, for them to gamble in qualifying and be able to put a car front row with just a set less of softs, that was very, very important for them. And that was actually really good. But then for them to have an extra set of mediums when everyone else didn't, you couldn't use obviously the softs and everyone else had to finish the race with the hards. For them, that was crucial. And I think that is exactly what even had had them in, in, in the range of winning the race and I think that's something that we can even talk about is the fact that the pace only came after they said they, they got those mediums in the VSC and Mercedes got was very lucky actually with the safety cars and the VSCs and being able to switch that very fast because otherwise they would have lost time or they wouldn't have used the mediums because if you, if you paid attention, Ferrari had a strategy of actually backing up Russell. So he would always stay within close proximity and he would lose track position if he even dared to pit since the pit stop is super long in this track. So I think he play, play, played really well in Mercedes cards and it was good to see them gamble and actually work out for once. I would describe this as rock star F1 strategy. Um, 
bit of a mouthful in the end. But but that's what it was. It, they they were aggressive and Mercedes at points in the past years have, have been quite conservative with their strategy, perhaps slow to react to things like safety cars. Um and maybe that comes from spending so long being the lead and trying to conserve that lead. But they, they've almost had to have a mental shift. We need to be aggressive. We need to attack. And that's what they did. Now, it wasn't easy because both they and Red Bull had strategies where they wanted to pit. As you, you very well said there, Denny, Ferrari knew that. And they were the conservative ones backing the pack up. It, I th- it was something like 10 seconds a lap slower than they needed to be. And it, it was brilliant, brilliantly done. What what does Alan, what, what did Alan Pross say? It's about winning the race at the slowest pace possible. And that's precisely what they did. I love how aggressive Mercedes were and the fact that they did it with both drivers, both going gung-ho, because you could, what you could have done is you could have left George in second and then pitted Lewis and then let Lewis come up and and hope that George can slow them down. But no, let both of them drivers go for it and and see what happens because there's nothing to lose really, is there? And and everything to gain. And they very nearly did. And that comes from saving that extra set of mediums. Uh, So, so yeah, really good, uh, aggressive strategy. And we like it. We're here to yeah. see it. Um, and I think in hindsight, looking and hearing them talk about how they always knew it was going to be a two-stop for them, it's just they didn't know exactly when and how that was going to happen. I think it's so interesting because you're going into the weekend saying, this is what we're going to do. I mean, obviously, they saw their pace, FP1, FP2, and they said, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put you in qualifying. We're risking not having one set, but this is going to pay off in the race because this is how we're going to approach the race because the pace is there. You're able to challenge these people. Rebels out of the picture. What's there to lose? Like you said, there's absolutely everything to win. You, best case scenario, you get a Mercedes 1-2, and that's exactly what they were aiming for. Um, so I, I love the fact that now looking back, we can actually say, well, they actually went into the race thinking we're going to be aggressive and we're going to be the only ones with possibly a two stop. And we have a, a, a strategic advantage to even if anyone else wants to stop at a second VSC or a second safety car, they don't have the advantage that we have. And so we're able to be the hunters tonight. And that's exactly what they did. And you could hear that too with the, the radio messages from George Russell. He was I saying, to win. how are yeah. we going to win this race? Yeah, yeah. No, it's not like, uh, what's Lando doing? It's like, how are we going to get past? Are we going to pit? Obviously, they're not going to pit while they're bunching up the pack because they come out in 18th place and that's game over. But we know there's always been a safety car since the first race in 2008. Um, obviously, that safety car is a bit controversial now, but, but but there's always been at least one safety car in the race. And once again, the stats were on Mercedes' side. They did get lucky, though. It was the perfect timing. If the if the safety car had been a bit sooner, then... Tires probably would have been dead. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they did an amazing job with management as yeah. well because I do know they were struggling with brake and tire attempts at some point. And so it was really nice to see them being able to attack, but at the same time managing those temperatures so they wouldn't just cook the tires. And I think it's also worth 
giving props to science for reading that strategy really well to a T and being able to first use um, Charles. Well, that, that was very much Ferrari using Charles as a sacrificial, sacrificial lamb, basically, to back up George and let Sainz just cruise. But then once Charles was out of the picture because of the unfortunate double stack, um, Sainz was able to read the race very, very well. And I think he, he basically won himself a race. So props to him for that one. He won himself a race and he, he ensured that his mate Lando got True. second. Yeah, Carlando definitely got the P1 and P2 uh, helping, definitely helping each other out. But I just wanted to go back to the race start and specifically about Lewis being told to give back places. Adam, what was your what was your thoughts there? Because I thought that was very interesting, him coming off the track and then coming back on. I think it was a load of rubbish that he had to let Lando back through, personally, because he was ahead. Yes, he did, he couldn't go anywhere, but that's because he was avoiding crashing into George. Um, fair enough, let George back through because he gained a place off the track above George. But I think he'd already got the move done before he went off um, off the track with Lando. So I think he should have kept that place. Mercedes obviously were in contact with the FIA and the FIA told them to do it. Uh, but Lewis had a similar uh, bit of action with Checo Perez later in the race where he got the move done into turn seven. I think it's turn seven. Lose count of these corners. Um, but, but at the end of the long straight into the, the left-hander with a bit of curb, bit of space, and then a wall. You know what I'm talking about, listener. Um, Lewis got the move done around the outside, but then went slightly wide. Perez was wittering on on the radio about how Lewis should be thrown out of the race. Not thrown out of the race, but, but give the place back. Um, but the FIA said nothing about that. Don't the FIA usually go a little bit more lenient on first lap incidents. Just a question. They 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 weren't here. Clearly they, they said to Mercedes that we're either going to give you a penalty or we're going to, to um let or, you or you're going to yeah. have to let Lando through. I wonder, looking back, had that race played out and Lewis said, right, I'll take the penalty. I'll stay ahead of Lando. I wonder whether that would have worked better, potentially. It, it would have been one less car for the, the Mercedes to have to overtake, potentially. Um, I don't know. We will never know. But that's what I think of the first corner incident. And I'm sure you've got an opinion um, too, Danny. I don't disagree exactly that. I saw videos of someone even posted a video of a slow-mo version of it and i think everyone could have agreed that lewis got the move done on it was a, a great start and lewis is known for his great starts and from qualifying i already knew lewis was going to get lando on the start just because that's the man that he is he knows how to get his good starts right and so seeing that it was okay yeah you have to give the place back to george and then even if the FIA hadn't said that specifically, if the FIA had ignored it, I'm pretty sure Mercedes as a team would have said, yeah, just give the place back because you did gain an, gain an advantage. But with Lando, the move was pretty much done by the time he was by George's rear and that's when things got rocky. And so I think Lando being fussy on the radio does play in his favor a lot because this is not the first race that he just goes on the radio, says something, 
and he gets it in his favor. So I think that's probably a little McLaren trick mm, that we have to <laughs> keep an eye on. Oh, no. Yeah. They're all, all the drivers yeah, but, are doing um, that. Lewis had pretty the much dri- gotten the move done, uh, got the place back. Again, so. I, I mean, all the drivers are complaining on the radio. It's, it's like footballers with, with referees. They they all do it to, to kind of to play on the mind. It, yeah. It's like back in... 2021 when when the team bosses uh having a go at the FIA over the radio and, and, and <laughs> yeah sport. You're, you're all you're always going to do it if you if you've got a, a way of influencing someone's opinion even if it is subliminal you, you you're going to take it and that that's why yeah that just screams michael massey to me doesn't it uh, influencing race directors. But, um, I didn't want don't, to trigger anyone. <laughs> don't trigger anyone, Adam. Before we talk about the, the George Russell sort of incident in lap 61, there's a few questions from Twitter. So, Adam, let's go to you first. Uh, Peter Cummins on Twitter asks, should Mercedes have switched Lewis and George after George failed to get past Norris? And do you think Lewis would have won if they did? Hi, Peter. I hope you're well. I think that Mercedes did the right thing for the team there. And the reason being, they were out of laps. The the kind of predictor thing was saying that they, they were going to strike on the last lap, so that there was simply no time. Do I think that Lewis would have had a good chance of winning the race if George wasn't in his way? Yes, I do. But that wasn't the scenario in front of them. And, and George had just as much right to be there, having a go himself, even though he wasn't as quick as Lewis. We saw it in the data. It was like 1.5, 1.6. No, sorry, 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6 uh, seconds a lap. Um, Lewis was generally faster. And um, I don't know whether that extra downforce that we were talking about earlier in the podcast helped him out there uh, to, to kind of save the tyres a little bit more for that attack. But I think Carlos Sainz was the one that, that won the race and he probably would have he probably would have uh, taken the victory anyway, even if Lewis wasn't there, because there was still the, the scenario of of the, the DRS train. So, yeah, I think Mercedes did the right thing. As much as I'd have liked to see Lewis have a go, because we know he's he's built different, isn't he? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I hope that answers your question, Peter. Awesome, thank you so much for that, Adam. And then last question before we get onto George's sort of instant at the end, Denny uh, Blue Dahlia is asking: Do you think Mercedes could have got a double podium at the weekend at Singapore? Absolutely, I think he was there for them i think that is exactly what they were aiming for um the expectations were high um the pace was there i think maybe i know we mentioned the fact that if the safety car had if the virtual safety car had gone a bit sooner maybe it wouldn't have played as well for them but then looking at how the race played out and how much they were very much focused on oh if we had just one more lap especially lewis after george um obviously unfortunately crashed he was on the on the radio with Bono talking about oh if just one more lap he would have gotten that p2 because he was pretty sure he would have passed the mclaren so i'm just here thinking if the vsc had been just two laps sooner maybe 
um, I do see a potential P2, P3 coming in. And then also notice that Mercedes was taking advantage of um, the car in front being overtaken. So George is overtaking someone and then Lewis will take advantage of that and overtake. So I, I don't think it would be hard to overtake Lando had George managed to do it the first time around. So the podium was there for the taking. It would have been a double podium. Unfortunately, it wasn't because George wasn't there. Um, in in my eyes, I think they would have managed if they had two more laps, maybe. So if the VSC had been just sooner, um, but as it was at that moment, probably not. If George had stayed in the race, it probably would have been just George P3. But if circumstances had been different, then I'm 100% sure we would have gotten a to a, a double podium for Mercedes. Yeah, I was just thinking if, if there was a safety car, Mercedes probably would have got a one-two rather yeah. than a virtual safety car. Right. But that wasn't the scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so if George was um, in the race still, um, then no, obviously Lewis would have stayed a P4, which isn't too bad seeing the pace. Um, but if circumstances were just slightly different and we had extra laps on that on that medium, then a double podium was incoming for sure. It's these what ifs that I love uh, love about the sports. Yeah. What if this happened? What if that happened? Is is this the reason? The main reason I love this sport. But we've been teeing this mistake up for ages on this podcast. The George Russell mistake at the end. So George Adam looked absolutely gutted in his post race interview on the verge of tears. I think there would have been tears if he wasn't so dehydrated. Um, bless his heart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sorry for cracking a joke because I'm sure there's a lot of fans that <laughs> that don't feel like joking about this. And, oh, the thing is, as I alluded to just some minutes ago, this is precisely the sort of mistake that George needs to be making. Like, he's... On the last lap, the Singapore Grand Prix going for a victory, you're going to be knackered, you're going to be dehydrated, you're going to be on the edge, okay? That's going to happen. We've seen the greatest make mistakes around Singapore, and we've also seen the, the worst make more mistakes around Singapore, but that's not the point. Like, Lewis crashed last, last year in Singapore, didn't he? Um, and... George crashed this time. It doesn't make him a bad driver. He will be gutted in a moment. Naturally, he was on it all weekend and that would have been an, a lovely podium for him and to have, have been a part of, uh, even though he, he dropped back from second to third. But he made the mistake. He'll learn from it and he will be back stronger, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, so just for the people that didn't see the moment, um, Probably a good thing if you're a Mercedes fan and you didn't see this, but I suspect you did. George was chasing uh, Lando Norris in the final lap, and there is a left-hander just after a quick jink to the right, and there's a bit of wall that sticks out. Lando, he brushed it. There was a puff of um, smoke where Lando had hit the wall, and maybe that puff of smoke slightly... Uh, put George off him uh, and he, he kind of wanted to follow Lando and be right on the edge as much as possible but couldn't quite see where the ball was 
I think Lando's steering was slightly off, but he managed to complete the lap. Uh, George's steering was more off because he wasn't able to complete the corner and he headed straight into the Tet Pro barriers. Fortunately, he was okay. There was lots of swearing, um, naturally. They didn't broadcast the swearing, naturally. But, um, yeah, Lewis was lucky that he didn't end up in a heat. Imagine the scenes if both Lando and George ended up making the same mistake at the same corner. Charles Leclerc would have been confused as to why he was on the podium. But, yeah, that, that didn't happen. Um, and, yeah. As I said, George will come back. This is just another example of how you need to be millimeter perfect and you need to be right at the edge of your seat. Just like we are, they also are. And if you blink at the wrong time, you just literally, you could bend the whole race. And it's just one of those examples and one of those things that you just have to take it on the chin and you'll have a bad evening. Like George said, a bad evening, a bad morning, but then it's race weekend again and you can't just be and it's the fascinating thing about these drivers is you don't have enough time to beat yourself up because now you're flying to a different country you need to be zoned in you're going to be going in through media and you're going into the car again and you need to do that all over again in less than three days in, in the following week right and so it's so it's such a cutthroat sport because you're there you have a pace from the beginning, George is saying, I want to win this. I want to win this. So he's ambitious and he wants to be at the forefront of this. And he's making all the right calls. He didn't put a foot wrong the whole weekend. George was, was in front. He was the the Mercedes to beat. Other than that one. <laughs> that one but yeah, at the end. But he didn't put a foot wrong <laughs> all, all, all weekend. And he was the Mercedes to beat. He was yeah. the Mercedes to, to be favored for strategy. At, at, at any point. And I think that's one of the reasons why Team Waters didn't come into place because like he he's there to win. And so it's unfortunate that these mistakes happen, but it's from these mistakes that you learn as well. And next year, Singapore, he's going to know not to not to play with that curve too much. And, and that's it. And hopefully he's able to bounce back from that. I mean, he has to naturally. Uh, Suzuka's just right around the corner but it was unfortunate to see but also there was a podium to be celebrated so yeah you're right and the the hardest person on George Russell after this weekend will be himself Um, but he's made that mistake in front of a lot of the world (laughs) and he's had to go straight in front of a camera to explain his mistake I've probably made about 50 mistakes in this podcast that will be edited out and 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 only a few people are going to see those mistakes. So I don't feel the pressure. You don't make mistakes, Adam. What are you on about? I have no words to say. <laughs> <laughs> You're too kind, but also wrong <laughs> because I constantly make mistakes as I'm human like George Russell. Um, and that that's sometimes what we forget about these F1 drivers. You mentioned, Denny, that George and I guess well I know Lewis as well wants to be at the forefront. Do you so do you think Mercedes have missed their chance to win a race this year now? No, because the W thirteen was probably a bit slower and they won Brazil, so I wouldn't rule anything out. Brazil's still coming, Mexico's still coming, like Adam mentioned. Um 
anything can happen and one thing about f1 even if you don't have the pace sometimes stuff just happens out on track and you find yourself in p4 and you were able to overtake and you're in p3 george almost got a podium and he didn't you just never know and so first because obviously we still have tracks that mercedes is very dominant at um brazil like i mentioned mexico is another street track um but also because you just can't rule anything out you just never know who's gonna have a gearbox problem an engine problem who's gonna stop in the race who's gonna crash and hopefully no one has crazy crashes like the one we saw with Lance Stroll um but it's just one of those things where you can't be one millimeter wrong and you're in the wall or you don't even start a race we've seen Yuki to know that we're having so many problems or Esteban Ocon having the perfect race and then he just stopped and all of a sudden and so yeah <laughs> yeah and so I don't rule anything out because of those two reasons so I think I, I think we're still gonna see a win this year um we're due for a win and hopefully it's coming sometime soon I was going to be more pessimistic. Oh, is it? <laughs> no, I... Because Red Bull are going to be back. The, the, I, you're right, Mercedes have an even better car than they, they did last year, but... I would hope they wouldn't be Red, back. Red Bull are further down the road. However, the reason I'm not going to be pessimistic is because you said the B word. Brazil always has that samba magic, doesn't it? Anything can happen. I know. There. Is that Glock? It is. No, it's Glock. It is Glock. <laughs> it is Glock. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You just can't rule anything out. You just have to be positive. And last year, Red Bull also had a great car and we still won. And so these things happen. Yeah. The balance of probabilities are endless and you just you can never predict the perfect race i know unfortunately this season's been ruined with just max dominating so everyone's like oh yeah he's just gonna come and he's gonna do it but sometimes you just have to be a bit delusional and say you know what maybe he's not gonna come and do it just like he didn't last year and just like he didn't this year in singapore despite all everyone else having probably bad luck somehow so here's to hoping for the best I think that's the perfect way to end this podcast on being completely and utterly delusional. Uh, Adam, Denny, thank you so much for joining us here on the Singapore Review here on the Silver Arrows podcast. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for enjoying me. And that's all we have time for this week. A massive thank you to Denny and Adam for joining us. Their social media handles are in the show notes. And thanks to you for listening. Do remember to follow us on Twitter at MercF1Pod and hit that follow button in your podcast app. If you're enjoying this episode and feeling extra kind, drop us a review and share this episode with anybody who you think may enjoy it. We'll see you next week after Japan. <laughs>